Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. WGN, I look forward to Tuesdays because I always get to have a conversation with one of my favorite people, and that is Tom Skilling from WGN-TV. It's brought to you by Permaseal Basement Systems. How are you today, Tom? I am fine, Lisa. How are you? It's a beautiful day, isn't it? Yeah, and this haze that we've been seeing, it doesn't seem like the city has completely shaken it yet. Is it still left over from the wildfires? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. And I'll tell you something else that's very interesting. Do you realize we've had an easterly lake breeze onto our lakeshore and into the downtown area and the area beaches, I think, for two months nonstop? It's, uh, it's really quite amazing. And it's acted to air condition the city. So we hear about this heat going on through the south. Texas, they're breaking records every day with heat indices over 120 and temperatures at triple digits. It's straining the uh, electrical grid down there. There's heat in Europe, heat in India, heat in China. And yet here we sit in pretty good shape. But the only thing is we've got quite a drought going. Uh, That's the bad part. Yeah, a serious drought. I mean, I am so busy every day. I thought I have to spend every day watering plants, gardens, trees, you know, newly planted trees that need it. And uh, I I don't remember a time where we've gone this long without rain. What are the stats on that? You know, it's interesting. We've had 4.2 inches of rain since the beginning of April. We should have had close to 11 inches So 4.2 versus 11, that means we've had just over a third our normal amount of rain. You know, I got an interesting letter yesterday from uh, Jim Hazard, who farms down in Wilmington, down in Will County. And he was telling me that, uh, you know, the corn, uh, the emerging corn plants are starting to show stress. They curl up during the day uh, for lack of moisture. It's their way of trying to preserve some of the moisture in the plant. But that shows they're under some degree of moisture stress, which isn't surprising. And you know something, if we look at the rains over the last uh, two months, we rank among the the driest 5% of that period uh, in 152 years. That's over a century and a half of weather records. So this is really pretty dry. Now, here's what's interesting, Lisa. We do have some scattered thunderstorms uh, forecast uh, Sunday, Monday. Those in and of themselves may not lead to general uh, heavy rainfall, but we're seeing as you get out into the 6 to 10 and 11 to 15 day time ranges, there are some model hints that we might get something closer to normal rainfall. Now, we'll see if that works out. Sometimes these models overestimate because when the soils dry out, uh, they overestimate the amount of moisture in the atmosphere, and the soil moisture is really important in putting moisture back in the air around us. That's part of the reason why the humidities have been so low. Uh, we get cool nights with that, and we warm up during the day. So the Fox Valley has been getting up around 90 every day, even as we, with our easterly lake breezes, stay in the mid-60s to around 70 at the lakefront, and we'll probably do that the next couple of days, and then warm a little more extensively over the weekend into the 90s with some humidity arriving by then as well. You know, that farmer that I'm married to, every night when we go to bed, he's got his phone in his hand looking at the drought report, and every morning, phone in hand, looking at the weather report, praying for some rain, because when you talked about those those corn leaves, like, he calls them rolling up. You know, they roll up, and you can see yeah. it. 
pretty predominantly throughout most of the heartland. You know, the farmers in Illinois are all experiencing that. And even as homeowners, it's it's really tough to go this long without rain. Well, it really is. I'm hearing from the gardeners, too, who are noticing it. And they send me pictures of cracked soil and all the rest. You know, uh, we're early enough in the growing season that we haven't gotten to the point yet where brown lawns become uh, really evident. But that's starting to happen, and uh, it will become more and more a feature. You know, at this time of the year, uh, Lisa, the uh, sun is so strong that you lose about an inch to an inch and a quarter to evaporation of moisture from the soil every week. So you figure that just to stay even, you've got to get about an inch to an inch and a quarter of rain uh, per week to stay even. And we often have trouble doing that. And, of course, our farmers will head into a pollination period in the not-too-distant future, which is critical to how much these uh, ears of corn fill out and, and the yields, ultimately, that they get from this year's crops. So we're watching moisture supplies very, very carefully, no question about it. Tom Skilling is with us. We adore him. And Tom, I'm noticing every once in a while it happens to me and I'll see others where there's just a big random sneeze that you didn't even feel coming. You know, you couldn't really prepare for. How are our pollen and mold levels? Are those elevated or? Yeah, they sure are. Uh, Let's see. Tree pollen was moderate today. Grass pollen is high and mold spores are high. So uh, Mother Nature comes at our allergy sufferers. in a couple of different directions there. We've had relatively high values of uh, pollen and mold. And, you know, even this uh, smoke, even though a lot of it comes in from Canada aloft, uh, you know, that some of it mixes down to the surface. And then in summer, you get these lake breezes, and they set up a temperature version over the city. That's where warm air sits on top of this 2,000-foot-deep layer of cool air that comes in with these lake breezes. That cuts down on the mixing that would otherwise distribute pollutants through a deeper layer of the atmosphere. So you get a buildup of uh, certain pollutants. And when sunlight goes to work on them, uh, you get uh, ozone, which builds up in the afternoons and evenings as a byproduct of some chemical reactions that the sunlight catalyzes. So so it's it's kind of a – it can be a rough time. And another thing, too, Lisa, we're in a blocking pattern. So the weather hasn't been moving. Uh, it's been great because it's kept all these tornadoes away from us that we've been hearing about elsewhere in the country. But it also has blocked the rain, and uh, rain is a cleansing mechanism, uh, and also the movement of an air mass so that we're not sitting in the same – pool of uh, uh, emissions and all that build up over time. Uh, so there are a couple of reasons to be a little concerned about this uh, Rex block, as we call it, that uh, slows the weather movement down. Uh, somebody just sent in a text from 708 and said, how is it we have high mold counts, but we haven't had any rain? Yeah, it's, a, it's interesting. Look, there's enough residual moisture in plants and so forth. They t- transpire this uh, into the air, uh, you know, just through evaporation, uh, that you can support a mold population, uh, unfortunately. You know, another thing, too, Lisa, we came off a relatively mild winter. And, you know, uh, even though we love milder winters because we don't have to deal with that sub-zero stuff, uh, you know, the cold of winter kills off some of the mold and and some of these uh, bugs and all that uh, come back to to haunt us uh, during the warm season. So, you know, it's not all a good news story when you have a warm winter. You do keep some of that residual mold going. Yeah. 
Yeah. Tom Skilling is with us. We'll continue our conversation next. You can always be a part of the conversation if you want to text us a question at 312-981-7200. Right now, Mary's got the current temps and a check on traffic. Seven twenty WGN. Tom Skilling is with us from WGN TV. Before we talk about the first day of summer, Tom, what do you think about that submersible that's missing? Oh, isn't that horrifying? I, you know, something, Lisa. I had a roommate who was uh, 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 worked for the airlines, and he got a, some really great rates on the Queen Mary, the, the going across the Atlantic. And every day at noon, the captain of that ship would uh, come on the intercom through the the, uh, the ship and say, oh, you know, here's where we are today, and he'd tell us something about how deep the water is and all. And I remember when we passed over the point at which the Titanic went down, and it was, you know, even though it was beautiful and clear, it was kind of creepy to think this is yeah. where that horror had unfolded. And to think of these people in a, what do they call it, a, a truck-sized uh, submersible, down there with a limited supply of oyster uh, uh, oxygen, and heaven only knows what happened uh, has happened to them there. I, I it's to- terrifying, don't you? I know, I know. I would never go visit a graveyard, an underwater graveyard like that. I don't know. I think it's creepy too. And one of the scientists, I don't know what his affiliation is, but you know, of course, he's getting interviewed by media outlets, and he believes that it has imploded. And that death was immediate. Boy. Well, you know something. Think of the pressure down, you know, 13,000 feet, over two miles in the water. Uh, you know, if you've ever gone swimming and you, you know, you dive into yeah. the water, your ears start aching when you come down five or ten feet. Imagine a, a vessel down there under the crushing pressure at those depths. Um you know, and I know those things are built with holes uh, to beat all get out, but I, I'll tell you something. Isn't that a. Yeah. I, I guess it would be quick, huh? Yeah, I would. Happened. Yeah. I'd rather it be quick. I don't want to sit there and watch the oxygen level drop and fall asleep. I'd rather just go. Uh, so, Tom, we we are approaching the first day of summer tomorrow. And, of course, we've already yes. got a tropical storm that's forming. That's kind of early, right? Yeah, it is early, and this thing's having a heck of a time getting its act together. You know, it formed uh, about 1,200 miles east of the Windward Islands in the Eastern Caribbean, way out in the South Atlantic, or the North Atlantic, uh, and uh, it's about 950 miles east of the Windward Islands. It has uh, kind of minimal tropical storm strength winds, about 40 miles an hour. It's encountering shear. You know, one of the ironies of hurricanes is they're the strongest wind-producing systems on Earth, and yet they require a calm environment to get their act together because hurricanes and tropical storms are essentially just organized clusters of thunderstorms. And if you introduce something more than 20-mile-per-hour winds above them, that's enough to mess up the uh, organization of thunderstorms that would otherwise spin up into a hurricane. So this thing is encountering that, and they're now thinking uh, the new model guidance suggests it may have trouble as it approaches the uh, Lesser Antilles. This would be areas down around Barbados. Uh, the Virgin Islands are kind of on the north end of an area that they're watching for this thing, uh, both the British and American Virgin Islands. Uh, but it may have trouble even reaching hurricane status. And if it does, it'll only be minimal hurricane status. Still, they get gusty winds, waves, and uh, flooding rain, so it's nothing to fool with. 
Yeah, absolutely. I was reading this article on Nature.com, and the headline said, Rampant groundwater pumping has changed the tilt of Earth's access. And then it went on to say human depletion of underground reservoirs has swifted the global has shifted the global distribution of water so much that the North Pole has drifted by more than four centimeters per year. That sounds wow. crazy I, to me. <laughs> now, you know, think about the weight of water. You know, if you carry one of those bottles of water that you put into one of these uh, water drinking uh, things that we have in offices and all, I mean, Every day, nature moves all this water around with the winds. It's pretty remarkable. Um, I think the figure is if it rains an inch across Chicago, border to border, we get something like 8 to 10 billion gallons of water. And imagine the weight of all that. But um, it's not hard to believe that changing the water content, although, you know, there's kind of a finite amount of water uh, on the planet. If it's not one place, it's somewhere else. Uh, droughts and all mis- displace it. So I think sometimes we make an awful lot about these little tiny wobbles in the axis that really, in practical terms, don't do a lot to the weather or anything like that. It's kind of like moonshots. You know, people think shooting rockets up through the atmosphere uh, throws the weather off. But the fact is, if you throw a pebble into Lake Michigan, that little pebble makes little tiny waves that ripple away. And that'd be like saying that that is changing the currents in Lake Michigan and changing somehow the temperature distribution. I think we make a lot out of these little, tiny, infinitesimally small changes that go on that really, in the practical terms, don't uh, don't have much impact on the weather at all that we oh. can measure. Tom, I got to tell you, my mom was one of those people because, you know, the space program came about in her lifetime, and she would say yeah. every time they go up there, the weather's messed up. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know about that, Mom, but... <laughs> No. You'd, you'd never shake her from that belief. No, I, I I think, you know, try that pebble in the lake or pebble in the ocean <laughs> and say, now, look, you know, I mean, this is kind of like the effect we're having on this vast atmosphere uh, when we launch a little tiny spacecraft through it. That's and as awesome. impressive as those launches are, their large scale effects aren't all that great. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Know. I'm with you. You just, you yeah. know, you won't shake people from their belief systems. I know. Uh, you know? I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. So tell me what uh, what we're looking forward to for the next, I don't know, five to ten days. We have another wonderful weekend on the way or? Yeah, it's going to get kind of warm this weekend. Look, there'll be lake breezes. Those are easterly winds that develop in cool beaches and lakeshore every day. Uh, right on up until Sunday. Sunday, there may be enough of a southwest wind that we finally get some warmth up to the beaches, but there may be some scattered thunderstorms. Not until then. The next couple of days, we'll see uh, mid-80s out at the airport at O'Hare, uh, probably mid-60s to low-70s on the beaches. And if you go out to the Fox Valley or south toward Kankakee or into northwest Indiana, there'll be a few spots to get up around 90, but we all could see some 90s over the weekend, except right on the beaches and the lakeshore itself. And first chance of rain that's mentionable is probably Saturday, Sunday or Monday. And it's not looking real exciting at this distance. But there is an indication beyond that that maybe the pattern may get a little wetter. Now, we'll see. It's hard to break out of these drought situations. But um, let's keep our fingers crossed, Lisa. All right. Happy first day of summer tomorrow, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Good to talk to you, Lisa. 9.57 tomorrow, we celebrate the summer solstice. There's a party. You have a standing invitation to come over to the weather office. Uh, you, know, so. <laughs> you might see me. I might pop in. <laughs> All right. Have a Sounds great day. Good. You too, Lisa. Bye. Bye. It's uh, 3.56, and somebody, well, we were talking about the submersible. Somebody said, I can't find my keys easily in my house while the search a size of water the size of Connecticut is amazing. Godspeed to the searchers. Yeah, it's um it is just something. Okay, we just got a notification. Noah Enos, he is the Chicagoan who went to the salt shed a week ago Monday, was missing. His girlfriend said he didn't he didn't he didn't return home. And just as his father came in on Saturday to aid with the search, he found out that his son's body had been discovered in the Chicago River. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about this and the others who have been found in a body of water, the river or the lake. Well, that gentleman, Mr. Enos, is going to join us tomorrow. He was on with Karen Conti on Sunday, on Father's Day of all days, and we thought we would give him some time to, you know... Get his son back home, get him buried, all of the things that I can't imagine he's dealing with. But uh, he just said that he feels strong enough about this being related to others missing. And he feels strongly that his son was murdered, that it wasn't a drowning, that he's going to join us on the show tomorrow. That will happen after four tomorrow. So make sure you come back for that. And stick around. Kevin's Sports Click is coming up next and a whole bunch more we've got scheduled for you after Lauren's newscast from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. W-G-N.